Right. Well, church, in today's study, we are not only going to travel around the Bible, around the Gospel of John, we're also going to travel from uh, here in Colts Neck, and we are going to go to Yellowstone National Park in Montana. We are also going to go to my hometown in South Jersey, and then we're going to end up in New Brunswick. All right, everybody excited? Building upon the last couple weeks of study, we have dived into the Gospel of John. John's Gospel is unique. John's Gospel is very, very specific. John's Gospel is very, very theological. And now, as we move from the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, the Word through which God made everything and all things, now the Word moves to a person. The Word not only becomes a Him, but the Word is revealed as light and life. I grew up down in uh, South Jersey, uh, the Pride Lands of South Jersey, and I'm actually further south than the Pine Barrens. So if you know some Pineys, I'm even further south than them. I grew up down in South Jersey, and I would love to go out into the woods. I would love to stay at my friend's house who were out in the woods. And one night, I was staying at my friend Chad's house. Now, Chad's house was in the middle of nowhere. There was just woods everywhere, and there was no light. And that was fun, and that was exciting. What we would do is we would go and explore in the woods, and then that night we would go read comic books and listen to music and eat junk food and then fall asleep. It was good times. <laughs> one night, though, one night, I'm lying in bed. I'm on a sleeping bag on the floor. Chad's in the other room. And then all of a sudden, in the pitch black, starts shining this bright light through the window. It's a very odd thing because there were no lights. So I lie there and I wonder, well, this is a strange thing. And then it's keeping me awake. So I pop up, I stand up, and as soon as I look out the window, sure enough, the light stopped. It's like, oh, that's even more interesting. <laughs> Go back to my sleeping bag, lie on the ground. And then sure enough, as soon as I lie on the ground, the light starts to flash again. And it does not stop. I'm not making up any part of this story. So now I just try to ignore it. One minute, two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. I pop up quick this time, open the window, stick my head out, and sure enough, the light stops. Now I have to tell you, I was about 17 years old at the time. I almost called mommy <laughs> and asked if I could come home around 1 a.m. I don't know if it's because we just watched X-Files or what. We were freaking out. What was this like? I was pretty sure it was a couple things. I was pretty sure that it was my friend Chad in the backyard with a flashlight having some fun. Maybe it was like some kind of ceiling light, or maybe it was some kind of helicopter. But sure enough, I lied down, and the light continued to flash in the darkness. Now, people will ask me, Chris, what do you think it was? I think it was a helicopter or something, just with uncanny timing. But my point is simply this. When you're in the darkness, the light shines forth, and you may not understand it, but the light always overcomes the darkness. The light has no choice but to expel the darkness. And that's how John talks about Jesus. That's how Jesus will talk about himself. Jesus will say of himself later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. What we see in the beginning of John's gospel is that the word that created everything is now the word that gives us new birth, new life, and new creation. Let me read from the beginning in verse 1, and you're going to see these themes overlap. So hopefully everyone's Bible is open, and let's read the word of the Lord together. John chapter 1, verse 1. Harking back to the creation of all things, John uses the language, in the beginning. In the beginning was what? Was the word. Very good. Was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. We spent a lot of time on that first verse in the Gospel of John last week. Jesus was not just a good man, not just a good teacher, not just a miracle worker or a would-be prophet. No, your Bible says right out of the gates, the word of God, Christ Jesus, is the son of God. Verse two, he was with, he was in the beginning with God. Verse three, all things were made through him and without him, without Jesus, not anything made that was made. So you notice now that the word, which is a category, which is a way of describing God speaking, God creating, goes from an impersonal word, word, to now a very personal word, him. And that's why Christianity is distinct. Christianity is different for a multitude of different reasons. But in the end, we don't point to a long list of laws. In the end, we don't point to five pillars we don't point to a sevenfold path. We point to a person. And that's why if you've taught it, if you've heard it taught, that Christianity should be less about a religion and more about a relationship, that is absolutely true. Because the word, as we will see in the next couple weeks, took on flesh. The one who God created everything through became one of us. And he had no problem saying that he was the light of the world and he would be the light to shine out the darkness and hallelujah, the darkness has not, will not, and cannot overcome him. Verse four says this, in him, in Jesus was life. We'll talk about what that means, what life means. In him, Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So John is giving us a whole new lens to not only look at the creation of all things, but when we turn back to Genesis, we see that darkness is referring to a physical absence of light. Yet when we turn now to the gospel of John, and we see everything through the lens of Christ, we see that darkness is not just the physical absence of light. What is it? the very real presence of spiritual evil. When we see in Genesis that God created life, he breathed life into our first parents, Adam and Eve, and from the dust they were created, that was a temporal light. That was a biological light, to use the Greek terms here, bios, you've heard of biology. That refers to physical life. No, the word that John uses here in the Greek is Zoe. This is a different kind of life. In Jesus is not only all things in all life, God created all life through him, but no, we're talking about a different light, a different darkness. We're talking about a different life 
and yes, even a different kind of death. What we see in Christ is that he is the life that all of us are looking for. So all of us are alive. All of us have a heart beating in our chest. All of us have our lungs drawing air. All of us, our minds are flickering right now. Some may be a little slower than others, right? All of us are alive, but all of us are looking for more. Why? Why aren't we content to just be alive? Because we're all craving life. Zoe, we're all craving something even deeper and, and wider and, and, and better than this life. And what happens is when we have that innate desire for life, true life, lasting life, how the Bible describes eternal life, we can pursue life and run headlong into darkness. You're going to hear at the end of this passage, talks about the light of Jesus being the true light. There's many false, fake, counterfeit lights that will lead you down paths that promise life, but lead into darkness. And unless we turn to Jesus Christ, unless we turn to the life, and unless we allow his light to expose our darkness, it does lead to death. It does. You're going to hear that over and over and over again, not just from your Bible, but from the lips of none other than Jesus Christ. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hallelujah. That's really good news. So on a day, or or perhaps whether you're watching the news, or perhaps you're paying attention to all the different threads and conversations in our culture, many of which are shocking, but even if you're paying attention to your own life, to the stuff that you see around you, to the stuff that you know lives in you, you might begin to think and begin to wonder, is the darkness winning? Is the darkness going to win? And that's when we should memorize certain verses. Because this verse is not only a past tense verse. No, it's a continual verse. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness will never overcome it. Whenever you shine light into darkness, light always wins. Do you notice that? Like you could be in the darkest place in the world. You shine any amount of light, even if it's just a little flicker, even if it's just a candle, and the darkness has no choice, church, but what? To run and to flee. You see, the challenge is, is that I believe, and Pastor Steve said this so well this morning, is that in our society, we tend to, even as Christians, talk about the darkness all the time. Things aren't what they should be. Things aren't how they used to be. Things should be better. And that's true. But part of the reason that the darkness seems to be enveloping is what? Jesus not only said that he was the light of the world, but what church? You are. Right? I mean, have you thought about that? Like, I'm the light of the world? Like, this is God's plan to shine light into darkness? Sometimes I'm thinking of just myself, God, what were you thinking? There has to be a plan B somewhere. I mean, where's plan B? Aren't there some kind of angels coming or something? No. The best way to push back the darkness is to follow the light of Christ 
and let your light shine as a witness. Sure enough, that's where the Gospel of John goes next. Talks about John the Baptist as John the witness. Let's look at verse 6, shall we? Talking about a man here, but not the man who was the Word, not the Word that became flesh. This is a different man, verse 6. I'll read all the way down to verse 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Can everyone say witness? Can I get a witness? Amen. All right, here we go. Verse 7. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Which John is this, church? Very good, very good, John the Baptist. Now, as an interesting note with the Gospel of John, the word John appears about 23 times. Never does the name or the word John apply to the author of John, John the Apostle. No, you remember from our first teaching in this study that the Apostle John always refers to himself not as John the Apostle or even John, but what, church? As the disciple who Jesus loved. John, who would write the Gospel of John, three epistles, and Revelation, be an apostle of Jesus Christ, see the miracles of Christ, witness the crucifixion of Christ, note and be a witness to the resurrection of Christ, he understands that nothing is better than being loved by Christ. You never graduate past that. You never move beyond that. You could have more degrees than Fahrenheit. John understands this. His identity is wrapped up in the love of Christ. So much so that the only time he talks about John is when it's John the Baptist or perhaps John, uh, uh, Simon's father, John. So this is John the Baptist. And before we understand John to be the Baptist, here he's John the witness. John the witness. And this is a wonderful reminder for us that the work of grace, the work of transformation, the work of salvation is a work that we can't do. A work that even if we were on our best day, even if we could preach the best sermon, even if we could uh, have the, the best responses and have all of our airtight doctrine and apologetics manufactured and developed and delivered perfectly, it doesn't and it can't save anybody. Who does the work of salvation? God does. The Holy Spirit does, right? The Word of God. Jesus does, okay? But we're called to be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses and then allow God to do the work. So that should be very encouraging for some of us, where we continually love our family, we continually love our kids, we continually point everyone we know, family, friends, and neighbors to Jesus, and you're just not seeing any kind of impact or change. Entrust them to the work of the Holy Spirit. And remember this, God loves them even more than you do. Do we believe that? John came as a witness to this truth. In fact, John would later say at the end of this gospel, he would point to Jesus and he would say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, John's job was this, to point out Jesus and then to point to Jesus. He would say in another gospel, and I think this summarizes the Christian life so succinctly and so perfectly, he would say this. In the end, it's all about this. Jesus must become greater, and I must become less. Jesus must increase, and I must decrease. Nicholas 
Von Zinzendorf. Isn't that a fantastic name? Pastor, preacher, evangelist. He said this, and I love this quote. His desire was to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. Amen. Amen. You just put that on my tombstone. I want everyone to know, not about me, not about my life. I'm a vapor. This life is going to pass so quickly. It could even end much sooner than I planned. I want people to know about my Savior. Like the moon reflecting the light of the sun, I just want to be a witness to what Christ has done. And to be honest, when I realize that life's not about me, when I realize that the whole universe is not about me, when I realize that all my friends, my families, my church, my pastors, everybody, not around here to serve me, guess who's happier in the process? Me. When I realize it's all about Jesus, I'm healthier, happier, holier. That's why when the transition happens, when John brings such exciting change to Israel, and he starts baptizing dozens and hundreds and thousands of people, he has no problem stepping back and pointing to the light. It says here in Matthew chapter 4, the early part of the Gospel of Matthew, now when he heard that, G- that John had been arrested, Jesus heard that John had been arrested, Jesus withdrew to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Listen to this. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Jesus Christ is the light. It's our responsibility just to point people to him. There's a story, if uh, anybody of you know my story, I lived outside of Yellowstone National Park for a year in Montana. And if you think it's cold here, it's nothing compared to that. When I lived there, I heard a story about the original explorers on an expedition and how they discovered the northern caverns. And as people were telling me this story, what happened was there was one person, one explorer that was walking along, and then all of a sudden he slipped and he fell into a cavern, a hundred feet, survived the fall, survived that massive drop, but he was lost in utter darkness, not for one day, not for two days, but for seven days. No food and no water. All he had was a little flicker of light. And all he would do is just look up at the light and say, someone help me. Someone, help, I'm stuck down here. Sure enough, help came. Someone repelled into the cavern and brought him up out of the darkness. And the person that carried him out said this, why did you never give up hope? If I was you, after hurting from that fall, hungry from no food, no water, I would have given up long ago. And he said this, true story. I just kept looking at the light. I just fixed my eyes on the light. And that gave me hope that rescue would come. That's all that we do as Christians. As a witness to the light, we point people to Jesus who can rescue us from our darkness. And that continues here in the last part of this passage, verse 9. The Word of God says this, The true light, 
which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, the Bible is saying that God created everything through Christ. There was creation, but now in Christ, there is new creation. That yes, you were born of your mother physically, but we need to be born of Christ spiritually and supernaturally. And we'll get into that next week. What does it mean to have new life and new birth, to be a new creation in Christ and because of Christ? But the point here is that the true light that leads us out of the darkness leads us to life in his son. But here's the challenge. The world does not understand it. Now, church, can we freely admit that even as we watch headlines and as we see the darkness around us, can we even admit that we have some darkness in us? Amen? If you can't, then go talk to your spouse. Go talk to your kids. Because this is how uh, John will later say it in his epistle. He would talk about the reality of our sin. He would talk about the reality of our darkness and the equal, paramount, succumbing light of the gospel. Listen to this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light. Remember, God is love. God is also light. So God is love, perfectly loving. But when the Bible says he is light, it doesn't mean that he's some kind of ethereal light. It means he is holy. Holy, holy, holy. John says this, this is the message you've heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. In God there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hallelujah. If we say we have no sin, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth's not in us. If we confess our sins, here's the good news, church. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So, that's the simple truth. All of us have darkness. All of us need the light of Christ. Here's the truth. The Bible talks about heaven, the new heavens and the new earth in this way. That we won't even need the sun to illuminate our days. That God himself will be our light. Meaning that, think of this, think of this. In heaven... There is no darkness at all. If we really wanted to be there, then we wouldn't want any darkness here. You see why so many people don't turn from their darkness and turn from their sin is because we have to admit we kind of like it. We don't want to confess 
that God knows more about light and life than we do. We don't want to confess that God has revealed his perfect word through scripture and his perfect will through his son. We don't want to succumb to the reality as Jesus himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father, what church? But through me. Not politically correct, not very popular. So that's why if heaven is all God's light, there's something in us that wants to run from that. Unless we are filled with the light of Christ, we wouldn't enjoy heaven. Unless we are filled with the light of Christ here in this life, we wouldn't enjoy heaven. I saw an advertisement for Las Vegas uh, a couple months ago, and it said this. It said, just the right amount of wrong. As if to say, well, if I go too hog wild living in wrongness, then I know there's going to be consequences. Oh, but if I could like do both, get a little bit of right over here, a little bit of wrong over there, I'll pay some money for that. It's not heaven. And it's not the God who loves you. You see what God's light does, church? It bombards the darkness. And that's a good thing. And at first, it makes us uncomfortable because here's the truth. You heard me teach on this when we were walking through Daniel. Many of us, we don't even realize we're in darkness until Jesus reveals his light, right? It's as if, you know, we're we're, uh, in the daytime and in the light, and then the sun goes down, and then it's bedtime. And when the lights first go out in our bedroom, what happens? It seems pitch dark. But then our eyes adjust to the darkness. You could see shapes. You could see contours. So much so that you spend the whole night in darkness. Someone turns on the lights the next morning. What happens? Oh, shut the blinds. Turn off the alarm. And that's why Paul writes in the book of Ephesians very, very clearly, this is not to the world. This is to Christians. For you once were dark darkness, not in darkness. Listen, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. The days of trying to control it, the days of playing patty cake with it, the days that thinking that you are above it need to stop have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Rather, expose them. That's what light does, right? You shine light into a dark, musty closet. What happens? The cockroaches have to run. Sorry about that. That really bothered everybody, cockroaches? It is shameful even to mention, as Ephesians 5 says, what the disobedient do in secret, verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said to the church, quoting the Old Testament scriptures, listen, wake up. Wake up. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. When we're surrounded by so much darkness, both in us and out of us, Some of us, we need to wake up. We need to stop hiding, stop pretending, stop running from the light. 
God beckons you into it. I heard a story of a lighthouse in New Brunswick. Now, you might be thinking, New Brunswick? It doesn't have any oceans near New Brunswick. This is New Brunswick, Canada. And this lighthouse is actually not a lighthouse, but a church. And the church was about 100 feet above the cove. A church, a small little community church like ours. And the steeple was so bright white and protruded so much from the cove that even though it didn't have the light of the lighthouse, all the people that were traveling in the middle of the night through the torrential water, they would use that as their plumb line. They would use that as their direction. They would use that as their guide to get home, even when the storm was bad. Is that not what God calls us to be? Can we be the church where people who don't look like us, don't act like us, don't vote like us, and yes, initially, don't believe God's word, that we could shine the light of Jesus, love them so well that as they are looking for life and as they are on the passage home, we can point them, we can be witnesses for them to the one true light, Jesus Christ. I believe we're already doing that. Let's take the word of Ephesians, a wake-up call, so that all of us would return back to the light this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, before we come to the table, we want to come to your Son and His cross. We want to ask you to forgive our sins as we confess them. 1 John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful, you are just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't want to just come to the table to do something religious, God. We want to come to your Son to be forgiven, to be filled, and to be loved. So church, is the Lord leading you to confess a certain sin, a certain pattern of sin, a certain lifestyle of darkness that you need light to shine into? Would you open your heart to him now? Would you believe upon Jesus and not yourself? Would you turn from sin and return to God? Open your heart, your mind, your life to Christ. Please forgive us, God. Please fill us, God. Please help us, God, to follow Jesus. In your name, amen.